Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Jesus said, follow me, but why are you back in your boat? And you remember that Jesus said to Peter, and he had fished all night and he caught nothing, which had to be God, right? I think sometimes when God redirects our lives and has a call on our lives, and he's got something new for us to do, when we keep on trying to do what it is that we want to do or what we did before we were called, all of a sudden it becomes ineffective or no longer satisfying. Have you accepted the call to follow Jesus? With that call comes a heart of faith to know that wherever Jesus leads you, He has a future and a hope for you. We hope you've been encouraged by our recent studies on the resurrection of Jesus. Today, we look at how the resurrected Christ reiterated the call to His disciples to follow Him and obey the call to spread the gospel throughout the world. We're in John 21, 1 through 19, with Robert Furrow. John chapter 21, we're going to be covering verses 1 through 18 in our study today. As we look at, we are, we are continuing now in our Jesus Appointment series, uh, but we're right at the resurrection. We're at the resurrection, different resurrection accounts that are taking place. And um, the title of our message, I've got several of them, as I'm not quite sure which one I want to settle on. Uh, but it's surviving and thriving failure and uh, Peter's restoration. So Peter is restored by Jesus and he survives that severe failure. So with that said, and your Bibles open to John 21 verses 1 through 18, let's pray and we will begin. Father, we want to thank you so much again for your word. It is rich, it is powerful, it is deep, it is meaningful. It challenges us, it encourages us. And as we consider today the, the enemy and how he would love to tear us down when we fail, uh, we pray that we would be greatly restored and understand who we are totally and completely in you. And we want to thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today we want to talk about who we are in Christ even after a failure. And we see that we are vulnerable after failure because the enemy, first of all, he tempts us. And then after tempting us and we give in, he accuses us. And then after accusing us, he condemns us. So that is the process that he wants to go down. He does not just want to get you to fall into some kind of sin or have some kind of failure, but he wants to go the next step and the next step so that you are ineffective for the kingdom of God. Because the battle that we fight, we, we are, our feet are prepared with the gospel of Jesus Christ and everywhere we go, we are supposed to be living for Christ, living wholeheartedly for him. And I think it's important as we talk about failures and God's restoration over failures, that we understand that failure is never a good thing. If I have some kind of a failure, it's never good. It would be better if I, if I don't fail. But we also know that our God is so good that he could take even a failure, even something that is bad, and cause it to work together for the good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that is what we see in Peter's restoration. It was not a good thing that Peter denied Christ. It was not, it, it would have been better had he never done it. But God could do a work inside of Peter 
And one of the things that we see in our text today is a massive change in him. There is more humility. There is more trust in God. And these things can only be really, really good for Peter. When my, uh, when my youngest son was little, the Lion King had just came out. It got released on VHS and we produced, we bought that. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that I watched The Lion King a hundred times. <laughs> I, I wanted to say 200 times, but I thought that might be a touch of an exaggeration. But I think over a hundred times is not. You guys have kids that get obsessed with one show? Want, wanted to watch it every day, several times a day, and I watched that show. And, and I learned every song from that show, just like I did with my daughter in Beauty and the Beast. I can sing them all. I can, I can amaze my grandkids today because I can break out in any one of these songs. But if you remember The Lion King, you have Simba, who is manipulated by his uncle to be a part of his father's death. And then after his father dies, then he is manipulated into thinking that he is nothing and that he cannot return back to the pride. Even though Simba is the king, he should, he should be crowned as the king, he is manipulated to leave. And he goes and finds a couple of friends, right? A meerkat and a warthog, and they have their own little song, Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Means no worries for the rest of your days. And that's how he wants to spend his life. His failure... And the shame of his failure sends him to where he's like, I, I don't need to live who I am. I can just go and be happy. I can just go and live daily and I'm good. And then, I, well, who was the name of his girlfriend? I, I said I watched on sides, I can't remember. Nala. Who? Nala. Nala, show. Nala shows up and Elton John sings. And, uh, <laughs> and Nala lets him know that the pride is a mess and that he, he is needed, and he ends up discovering who he really is and is able to return and restore things. And I think this has played out in the Christian realm to some degree. I think that Christ gets, excuse me, that the enemy, Satan, gets us to fail. He condemns us after that, after we have failed, because he's good at that. He accuses, he's the accuser, and he's the condemner. And we just go, well, you know what? Whatever dreams I had of whatever call God had on my life and the kind of things that I would be doing, I'm going to put those things aside. And I'm just going to live my life. Akuna Matata. You're not a bad person. You're not doing horrible things. You're just like, you know, no worries for the rest of my days. I'm just going to hang out here until I die. And then I'll go with, be with Jesus. And that's okay. And I want to remind you today, as we take a look at this account with Peter, that God's not going to allow Peter to do that. God brings Peter back in. It says, you got a call on your life. I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for you. And, and I want you to make sure that you are doing what you need to be doing. Now, we know that Peter's fall was severe. To deny Christ. There are Christians who denied Jesus and died. Excuse me, who did not deny Christ when they were faced with that and they ended up they ended up dying because they wouldn't deny him. We also know that Peter was ex full of shame, that as soon as he, he denied Christ for the third time, took oaths and swore that he, that he didn't know him, 
he looked across the courtyard, caught eye contact with Jesus, and then went outside and wept. And I think that that's why when the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that God wants to meet them in Galilee, that he had to add Peter into that because Peter was thinking, I'm not an apostle anymore. I'm not a disciple anymore. That's these guys. I'm someone different because of what I've done. He is completely and totally feeling that he is inappropriate. And so we pick it up in John chapter 1, excuse me, John 21, verse 1, where he says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter called, Thomas called the twin, which is Doubting Thomas, Nathaniel, Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two other disciples. I don't know why these guys didn't rate getting their names put in here, but two other disciples. And um, it says that uh, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Now that sounds familiar. Simon Peter is a professional fisherman. In fact, so are James and John. You have James and John and Peter here and they are professional fishermen and they end up catching nothing all night long. But that sounds familiar to us, doesn't it? We're reminded of the beginning of the call of Peter, James, John, Andrew, Peter's brother. They're mending nets by the sea. Jesus walks up to them and says, follow me. And the Bible says they left their nets and they followed him. But when you read a little bit further, you find Peter back in his boat. And you wonder, well, Jesus said, follow me, but why are you back in your boat? And you remember that Jesus said to Peter, and he had fished all night and he caught nothing, which had to be God, right? I think sometimes when God redirects our lives and has a call on our lives, and he's got something new for us to do, when we keep on trying to do what it is that we want to do or what we did before we were called, all of a sudden it becomes ineffective or no longer satisfying. And so Peter doesn't catch any fish all night, which is frustrating, okay? I've done that before. It's frustrating. And then, but he's a professional fisherman. So Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, take your boat out a little bit further from the shore. I want to teach the people. So he gets into Peter's boat and he goes out a little bit and Jesus teaches the people. And when he's done, he says to Peter, cast out your net for a catch. Now it's mid-morning. It's not the prime time to catch fish. And Peter says, I have fished all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. In essence, he's saying, I'm a fisherman. I've done this all night. We're not catching anything if you want to drop down the nets. But at your word, I'll do it. And he dropped down his nets and he caught so many fish that the nets began to break and they couldn't bring it in. And James and John came over and helped him bring it to shore and Peter fell down on his face before Jesus and said, leave me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus said to him, from now on, you will fish for men. Why did Peter say he was a sinner? Because he had gone back to fishing. He just had this propensity to go, I don't know how good I'm going to be at being a disciple, but I know I'm a decent fisherman and I'm going to go back to fishing. And so Jesus reiterated the call. First of all, follow me. He left the dance to follow him. Now, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. And Peter followed him. Now the denial has taken place. Peter finds himself at the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus told him that he wanted to meet them. 
And while he's there, he suddenly decides, I'm going fishing. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you. Now, if I tell you I'm going fishing, you guys know it's a little hobby thing, right? But when a professional fisherman tells you I'm going fishing, Peter's thinking, I'm going to check this out, see if I've still got this thing. He's thinking about fishing forever. He's thinking, I'm done. Hey, you know what? Akuna Matata. I can live out. I can live out my life over here. I can fish and, and I, can, I can love Jesus, but I don't have to be one of his main followers. They also went with him and they went out and immediately got in the boat. And that night they caught nothing, which again had to be a God thing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. This is a normal thing after the resurrection. Jesus says, post-resurrected body being glorified had a difference to it. Maybe God restrained their eyes because of the incredible amount of the glory. By the way, we're seeing something for ourselves in the future because the Bible says that you and I are going to receive glorified bodies like Christ. We will be like him for we shall see him as he is. And they don't see him, but he's about 100 yards away. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And I love Jesus in the post-resurrection appearances because he's always messing with the disciples. He could have been super serious, right? He could have been, guys, it's me, Jesus, come on over here, I want to talk to you. That's the way he could have been. But he doesn't do that to anybody. Mary Magdalene at the tomb, you know, she turns around, she thinks he's a gardener. Why are you weeping? He'll say to Mary Magdalene, Mary, it's me, Jesus. You know, I'm back. I'm going to get a real resurrection thing here. But woman, why are you weeping? He knows why she's weeping. The guy's on the Emmaus Road. They're walking and talking. They're sad. They're talking about everything that happened. And Jesus walks up and goes, why are you so sad? He knows why they're sad. He's kind of messing with them. And even when he gets to their place, he reveals himself in the breaking of the bread. And then he disappears. He's like, it's me, Jesus. Bye. Boom. And then I... We didn't even know it was you, right? And so here again, he calls out, and this word for children is the word for boys. Okay, boys. I wonder if Peter was like, how bigger the men were you come from? Call me a boy. Children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. Now that's a miracle in itself because we have fishermen who told the truth about their catch. And that's funny because it's true, all right? No, we don't have any. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, Jesus is replaying the earlier event with Peter. He fished all night. He caught nothing. Let down your nets for a catch. He catches so many fish that the nets break. They can't bring all the fish in. And now this is all for Peter's sake. He's reminding him of the initial recall. He's like, this is the third time I have to call you, Peter. I called you when you were cleaning nets. I called you when I had you cast your net in. Now cast your net on the other side of the boat, which if you think about it, that's silly. The boat's floating. Cast them on the other side. They haven't caught anything all night long. So they cast their net and they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of the fish. 
There's so many fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the, in the little boat, and they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, which is less than 100 yards. So this is kind of a funny picture. So when, it, when, when they catch so many fish, John realizes this is Jesus. And because Peter wants to see Jesus, Peter denied him. And then we also know that, that Jesus appeared to Peter on the day he resurrected, had a little special meeting with him. We don't know anything about that. All we know is that Jesus appeared to Simon. And now, as Peter hears it's the Lord, he's kind of a mess here. He puts on his coat. If you watch a movie, you've never seen anybody decide they're going to jump on the water, put on their coat, and then jump in. They take off their coat, and then they jump in. But Simon Peter wasn't going to leave anything in the boat. And also, did you notice the word here? It's a funny word in the Greek. Look at the word plunge, and plunge into the sea. It's a word that means chaos. It wasn't pretty. He didn't jump up on the edge of the boat and do some kind of a swan dive down into the water and then swim to Jesus. When he heard it was Jesus, he grabbed his coat. He just threw himself into the water, landed and started dog paddling. Again, they're only, a, you know, they're less than 100 yards. And he says then, but the other disciples came in the little boat. I think they probably passed Peter on the way. <laughs> we'll see you up there, Peter. I don't know what. I don't know what that was all about, but we'll, we'll see you up there. It reminds me, I had um, a good friend of mine, Ray Carter. You guys may know him. He pastors uh, the Calvary Chapel in Lake Havasu. And I go up every October, me and another buddy from the church here, and we fish with Ray and we talk and it's great fellowship with another Calvary pastor. First time that I ever met Ray was like 25 or 30 years ago. And Ray's a big man, all right? Ray's a big guy. If you guys know Ray, he's big. He's been here and taught for me before. And um, we were on his boat, and he had his he had his his fifty his fishing pole, his Walmart fifteen dollars special fishing pole. Mine are a little bit more expensive than that. I always tell them mine are fishing rods, yours are fishing poles. Okay, there's a difference. And all of a sudden, a striper hits his his line and flips his rod into the water. And Ray just he knocks his hat off takes one step on the, and just jumps into the water after the, the thing. And me and Mike Shacker, who's a buddy of mine that works here at the church. So me and Mike Shacker just look at each other. We're in Ray's boat and Ray's now gone. He just is under the water and we look at each other and then Ray pops up with the fishing rod fighting the fish all the way up. And it reminds me of this experience because I said, Ray's a big guy. It wasn't graceful, all right? <laughs> he, very athletic. I was really surprised, but it was like very athletic, but it wasn't graceful. And then it says, for they were not far from land. So Peter could have just stayed in the boat, right? They rode the boat in. They were far from land. But Peter obviously wanted to go see Jesus. And it says, dragging the net of fish with them because they couldn't bring him in the boat. There are too many fish because they're so large. Then as soon as they came to the land, they saw fire and coals there and fish laid out on it and bread. 
And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. He's already got fish prepared for them. Now, I wonder how Jesus prepared this breakfast for them by the Sea of Galilee. Did he go out and catch the fish? Did he, you know, bring some grain with him? Did he cook them all? Or did he say breakfast and poof, there it was. I, I don't know that we know, but Jesus wants to eat with them. That's just that, again, that's a sense of dining. We eat breakfast with who we like. Very rarely will we have a meal with someone we don't like. Even more rare will we have a breakfast with someone that we don't like. And so Jesus is fellowshipping with them. He's dining with them here in order to have that fellowship. It says, and then as they were on land, they saw a fire with the coals there. And we can't help but think of Peter. Now, we don't know, this is maybe a couple weeks later. But we can't help but think of Peter at the fire in the courtyard where he denies Jesus. And this is all about Peter. And in verse 10, it says, and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. He wants some of those fish up here. And then it says in verse 11, this is an interesting verse. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. In the earlier account where he had caught fish, not caught fish all night, cast his, his net in when Jesus said to, the net broke. Now the net doesn't break as if Jesus were to say, I'm going to make you more effective, Peter. I also want you to notice that Peter's the one who goes and drags the net in. History tells us that Peter was a big man. I don't know what it means to be a big man, a big, strong man. And when Jesus said, bring the fish up here, Peter's like, I got him. Walks over to the water and just grabs him and drags him in. That's what it says. Now, Simon Peter went and dragged the net into land. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. So again, in the post-resurrected body, there is this difference. Jesus then took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Now, this is the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first time a week later after his resurrection, the second time two weeks later when Downing Thomas was there. Now they're at the Sea of Galilee because Jesus told them to go there and meet him there. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, Jesus refers back to his old name. Jesus had given him a new name. The name Simon has its roots in sand. And Jesus gave Simon a new name. No longer will you be called sand, but you are going to be called rock, which is what Peter means. And then Jesus at another point said, and on this Petra, I'm going to build my church. There's three different Greek words. You are Simon, you are sand, but now you are going to be called rock and I'm going to build my church on the Petra. He wasn't saying he was going to build his church on Peter. He built his church on himself. He is the rock. But Peter was changed from Sandy to, to Rocky. Much better name. But now Jesus says, Simon, you're acting like Simon now. You're going back fishing. You're going to go back to your old lifestyle. I've given you a new name, but you're going back to, to Simon. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.